This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Get fast, reliable speeds at home and on the go with internet and mobile from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, new customers can get 400 megabit internet for just $30 a month for two full years with no annual contract when you add Xfinity Mobile at regular rates. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Requires paperless billing and auto pay with stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Equipment, taxes, and fees are extra. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. After promo, regular internet rates apply. Actual speeds vary. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester Till I Die TV on YouTube and your favourite podcasts. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Lester Till I Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on, you foxes! You're watching Lester Till I Die TV. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Right, Chris. All right there. All right at the back. How are you doing? Uh, How the devil are you all? It has been absolutely awesome. Ages since I saw you. It's been oh about 53, 54 minutes. I got changed, you know, and uh so glad as somebody a lot funnier and a lot better than me once said you're so much better than last week's audience. But uh thanks very much for coming back. Uh it's the second show of the night, and uh it is uh the, the X on the bit. <laughs> I nearly said it, I nearly said it. I, you should not mix up beach and pitch, I'll tell you. X on the pitch. I need to go and clean my teeth. This is where you can find us at Leicester Till I Die.
Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. I nearly said it. <laughs> I knew I knew one week I would, and it's taken me to week four to, to nearly drop the, the clangor. Beach and pitch, like I say, two words you should not get mixed up. Julian, um, Regis Digest's women's page top totty. How are you this week? <laughs> uh, very good, Chris. Thank you, uh, especially after the weekend. Yes, what a what a good result. And I hope you mean the football match, not putting your wife in a skip. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Well, that, that would have been nice too. <laughs> uh, well, let's not go there. I'm more worried about you than me because you're there with her. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And a um, couple of topics we're going to cover tonight, but I think they're going to take us quite uh, most of the night. So a few down on normal. And of course, if anybody's got any questions, get them in on the chat. And then uh, if we've got some time left at the end, we will certainly put those to Julian. But this is what's coming up on tonight's show. <laughs> Indeed. So let us start with um, Mr. Brendan Rogers, our manager. Uh, I mean, everybody had the honeymoon period and we were all pleased for the Newcastle fans that they'd finally got uh, Mike Ashley out. Although, of course, hindsight being the wonderful thing that it is, his lack of spending means they can go and spend a lot more now <laughs> than uh, they probably would have been able to because of the fair play rules. But Within within a couple of days, everybody's players are being linked with Newcastle, and we you know it's not going to happen because I think they've got some very sensible owners coming in. But I think you know Steve Bruce's time there is numbered. Um, I think you know he, he, he's on his way out. They've let him have his one thousandth game, and of course Brendan was one that was linked, wasn't he? Yeah, and and he was always going to be, I think, because obviously you've got you know Chelsea, uh, Liverpool. Manchester City, you know, their managers aren't going to go to Newcastle. You know, Spurs, new manager in, in place. He's not going to go there. And, you know, you come down the list a little bit uh, and then you get to a uh, little old Leicester and, you know, Brendan Rodgers, whose reputation has been enhanced dramatically in the last, you know, in the last several years with Celtic and then coming here in the great job uh, that he's done with Leicester. So I, I think if any decent job comes up, he's always going to get linked. Mm. And I suppose it's where he thinks he is in his career and what, what he thinks he's done at Leicester so far and what he thinks he can achieve further at Leicester. And I said on the show last week, I thought it'd be absolutely crackers to leave the club right now because he's, you know, held in such high regard by everyone involved with Leicester City. Why would you turn your back on that? And, you know, into, you know, going into something that you don't really know what to expect, you know, with all that yeah. money to spend comes a huge amount of pressure uh, and whether he's ready to do that or not. Um, you know, hopefully we're not going to find out, and it seems that's the case. Yeah. Um, Terry good says, good evening. Hi, Terry. How the devil are Hi, you? Terry. 
he's got he's got his question ready for you later. So I'd worry, I'd be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> and Rob, good evening, Rob. How the devil are you? Says thanks for the six iron, Julian, but it's a ladies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your wife was doing in the skip. Looking, looking right, for yeah. golf clubs. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, I mean, it is a sign, and we should be pleased that you know it's only if you've got good players. And it's only if you've got a manager that's doing well that they're going to be linked with a move away. You know, if they're, yeah, doing, and, if they're doing badly, they're not going to be linked, are they? Absolutely. And, and we have, you know, I think the, we'll, we'll go on more about the performance later, but that performance really got us back to where we were last season. And probably, you know, like I say, we, we sort of over-expect at times, but that was probably where we think they should be, you yeah. know, this season. Yeah. And after a difficult start, it, it was nice. Yeah. Uh, to see not just the result, but the performance, the way they went about themselves, the way they reacted to setbacks within the 90 minutes. Uh, mm. and, it, and it was just fantastic all around. And yeah, he's going to, you know, our players will be linked. I mean, even Vardy at his age will still be linked with clubs because yeah. of, you know, what he's doing. And and obviously Madison's in the England setup and Barnes is coming through. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so we have got that dilemma, but it's better to have that dilemma than the dilemma where no one really gives two hoops about your manager or any of your players. I remember, indeed, I remember being on uh, a, a chat um, uh, watching the Newcastle fans uh, going on about the takeover. And this was the, the, sort of the day it happened. And somebody said, right, let's go out and buy Vardy now. And it started straight away. But I think the good, the, what I liked about this with Brendan is quite often when players and managers are linked with a move away, they keep very quiet. You know, for example, Tillemans has not come out and said whether he's stopping, whether he's going. You know, he patted the badge on Saturday, but was, we all know that means sweet FA, if we're honest. Um, but, you know, for Brendan to actually come out and say, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. I've got a great chief executive and a director of football I have a close relationship with and a group of players that I really enjoy working with. Um he replied when he was asked if he was um, if the Leicester project was his only concern. He said, "100%. I've got a contract until 2025. I absolutely love being there." You could not really say a bigger no if he hadn't sent a telegram to uh, St James's Park. No, no, and quite rightly so. I think it's great that he came out. Obviously, it's um, you know a sigh of relief, you know, for the fans mm. that you know he's committed to the club. But then you know you can you can turn that on its head, and if he was keeping his cards close to his chest, that'd be the point where maybe the hierarchy'd start looking for an alternative to you know to him. So things like yeah. that can backfire on you in football. And I think you you have to be positive in what you're doing and, and come out and tell everybody what you want to do, and and that's what exactly what he's done. Great for the mm -hmm. club. I mean, all the, everyone at the club will be absolutely delighted that he said that, and we can all relax and get on with the journey. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can never say never in football, unfortunately. Uh, but like I say, to, you know, to come out and say that, um, you know, he says we have an infrastructure here that allows us to look to compete. So as long as they don't want to move me, then I'm very happy being here. And like I said, you know, he, he, he couldn't have said more. And I think that's the, the, the good thing. Uh, but he would be silly. And we mentioned this last week and you said yourself, we would be silly, wouldn't we, to move him mm. on? Fame to move, I mean. Yeah, you know, he would. I mean, is it a club? Is it a, is it a big club now? We're a big club now. There's no question about that. Yeah. I know we can talk about the top six and what have you, but we've been there and thereabouts for, you know, quite a few years. Obviously, we won the league and the, the cup successes and European football. 
So, but is it a club where the the chairman's not saying to him, you know, he expects him to win the mm. league? He expects Champions League. It feels like we've got a chairman who's very realistic in his expectations and realizes that you know things aren't going to happen overnight. Which is, you know, some some other chairmans in the league ought to take a leaf out of you know top sport because. You know, it's a great way for a manager to develop and to grow and have confidence in everything he's doing rather than questioning himself because he's wondering what everyone else at the club is thinking about him. He's thinking, has he made the right move? If he, if he picks this player, what's the chairman mm. think? And all of a sudden, the doubts can come into managers' minds when things particularly, you know, aren't going well for them. And, you know, we'll come on to that, mm. I suppose, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer shortly. But uh, he's in a position where he can, I'm sure he must feel the confidence of the hierarchy at the club. And that must be fantastic for a manager who's a top Premier League club to have this opportunity to develop and, and, and grow with the club. And, and you know, if we got in the top four, we'd be, you know, it's not an overachievement, but it's a fantastic achievement nonetheless. And yes. but we, we don't expect it. We know it's tough. We know that Chelsea have come back stronger since Tuchel, you know, took over. What are Spurs going to do? You know, they've sort of found the mm. form of it. So have Arsenal. You know, it's, it's a, such a difficult league. Uh, and we seem to be more realistic on on what we expect of our football club than I think most of the fans uh, do of theirs. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah totally. Um, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you, you look... At, you know, a lot of fans have been saying to me, Man United fans, Tottenham fans, etc., saying, you know, if you don't finish fifth, it's going to be a disappointment. And I'm saying, but it's not. That's what you don't understand. You know, for Tottenham, it may be a disappointment. For Man United, if they don't finish top four, it will be underachieving. But only because of what your expectations are. You know, a lot of these Man United fans, because of the success they've had, probably weren't even born pre-Alex Ferguson, let alone know how, you know, I upset a few Man United fans the other day by saying that, you know, I can remember when Liverpool were the biggest team in the country. And you'd like, you'd think I'd sort of, you know, personally shot Sir Alex Ferguson with a gun, but they were Liverpool, you know, in the 70s, early 80s, were the biggest team. They were winning everything out there and, and dominating Europe. And Man United couldn't get near to it. And then Liverpool had to go 13 years before they won it again. And I think Liverpool, whether it's 13 years or not, but you can't expect just because you've been successful to stay successful. Yeah, I think we talked about this a lot uh, mm. at the back end of last season, Chris, and it was it was to do with why Leicester aren't considered a top six club despite the performances and the standings in the last few seasons. And we talked a lot about you know, the, the history that clubs have and we're just making our history and maybe in 10 years' time we will be considered a top six club mm. because we'll have done it that many times in the last 10 years. And that's the yeah. problem you've got with, with the so-called bigger clubs is their history is of being at the top and then therefore it's bred into the fans that that's where they should be, that's where they deserve to be and that's where they've got a right to be. But we all know, you know, the game of football, you know, doesn't serve that up every week and, um, and especially as the game gets harder and, you know, teams can make, life more difficult for the top teams and results, you know, aren't always a, a, you know, a foregone conclusion that that isn't the case. And I think, do they, are they realistic about that? And I think they're probably not at the moment. And I, and I know that, I know that we are, and I know that if we finished seventh or eighth, we'd, you know, fans would be disappointed. And I think that the thing with going back to Brendan is that, you know, if he finished seventh or eighth or ninth for the next 
two or three years, then yeah, he would be having to look over his shoulder because they'd be looking to bring someone in who, who could push the mm. club forward. But what I was saying earlier is that in the meantime, he has got time to, to build and develop this and make it into a top, top club. Indeed. Anthony, thanks for your comment. We'll come on to that a bit later when we, when we move on to that subject. Hayden, good evening, sir. Hi, How are you? Um, it, it does, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, people said to me last season, oh, you know, you finished fifth after being, you know, fourth for so long, you know, and how, you know, how did you feel? Was was it a bad season? And I'm saying I wasn't pulling my hair out. I was disappointed. As a fan, you do get disappointed because we were in the top four, but we still got Europa League football. We're still in Europe. And for Leicester, that is brilliant. And it is all about, like you say, expectations and you know, you said if we finish seventh or eighth, it would be disappointing, but it wouldn't be the end of the world for us. No, and you know, talking about that as well, like again, last season we had all the injuries, and I think you know when we we sort of get a little bit carried away with ourselves is at the point where we we were dealing with these injuries and we're still getting the results and we're still in the top four. And you just keep thinking as the players come back, we're actually going to be stronger. And you know, yeah. then come the end of the season, we can have that last push and make sure that we finish you know, in that top four. And unfortunately, you know, it, it wasn't to be, but it was a it was a tough long season. I thought they were superb. And at the end of the day, you know, going back 20 years, the expectation hopefully was to finish outside the bottom three. So, mm. you know, we've come a long way from then. And indeed, you know, the yes. club has certainly come in, you know, leaps and, uh, and bounds from those days. But, you know, any anywhere above relegation 20 years ago was like an absolute result and the fans were delighted. Yeah. But it just yeah. shows how far the club's, come when we're disappointed with just missing out on fourth. I know. We have to we have to sort of, you know, take that, you know, pinch ourselves to think, you know, we are disappointed with fifth, really, <laughs> you know. But but you've got to also remember that other clubs, you know, are also fighting for that fifth position. You know, you've got Everton, um, they've got the players, they've now got a good manager, West Ham are doing it for a second season. Um, Villa have got the money to go out and do it now. So, you know, we can't say that, you know, Fitz is necessarily going to be nailed on for us. No, there's no given rights at all. You know, West Ham sort of finished so strongly uh, last season, especially when they took uh, Lingard on loan. They were they were mm. a, a tough match for anyone. Um, you know, like you say, your Villas, Spurs are sort of coming back into it. Arsenal have recovered after a poor start. Um, you know, Brentford looked like a team that can cause anybody problems and were mm. probably feel a bit aggrieved on, on Saturday, I think it was, against Chelsea. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's all these teams that come into this mix and, and you know, you, you can talk about easily without thinking a top 10 strong teams. and You, you don't deserve to be there. You, you've really got to earn it. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately for us, we, we've not started well. Um, We've changed things around, you know, we've got a few new faces in, one or two things don't seem to have worked and we find ourselves in a difficult position. But I think, as you alluded to last week, maybe we might be a little bit better at chasing the pack than than, than seeing the pack off. And we don't know yet, but no. I think Saturday was a, a big result and I think the next few fixtures will be interesting to see whether it was, you know, were Man United poor or, or were we good, which I know we're going to talk about later, but, yes, um, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a nice result against, you know, a, a, I won't say a strong team, I'll say a team of strong individuals, um, but to go and win in the way we did, in the manner we did, uh, you know, when we get the late equaliser and we come back and score two late on and Vardy's running his socks off well into injury time, everything about it just tick boxes and I, I, I can't remember anyone, I couldn't 
pick pick anyone out who had a a, a bad game at all. It was just no. a, a real good team performance. So hopefully it, this it, is the turning point, and hopefully we can kick on from there. It, it was hard for the um, uh, the guy that does my man of the match to, to 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 pick one. To be honest with you, but I I always said that when we got Brendan Rodgers, and I'm, I'm going to wonder whether I got this wrong, but I never saw it. And I'm sorry, just say good evening to Scott. Thanks for joining us. Um, that it was always going to be not a long-term project. And when I mean long, I'm talking about uh, Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger long. Mm. Uh, but he, I think if I read somewhere he, he's the fourth most uh, highly paid manager in the Premier League, um, certainly in the top top ten, but I, I believe he's in the top five. So, you know, if he's going to go, it's not necessarily going to be about money. Could you see him still being here? maybe in 10, 12 years and carrying on that dynasty. Or if he doesn't, because I mean, with Leicester, we know we're probably not going to be a Man United and we're not going to win the, well, you never know, but we're not going to win the Premier League as many times sort of thing. But could could this be a really, really long-term partnership? It could be, but I think that, I mean, if it, and if it was, and if he was here in 10 years' time, it would mean that we'd been super successful in those 10 years because, you know, mm. that's part and parcel of everything that, you know, about that's about the Premier League and about, you know, the nature of the football business. So, you know, fingers crossed he is because it would mean we've done ever so well. Um, I, I don't see it these days. There's not many managers, even the more successful ones. It'd be interesting to see how long, you know, Pep stays at Man City, Jürgen yeah. at, you know, Liverpool, the... They're doing a fantastic job, and you can, you know, they look like they're ingrained into the club, and you can see them there forever. But you know, they've got different opinions of, you know, of where they want to be and what they want to manage and what they want to achieve. So it's always difficult, but I just think in the short term, you know, definitely he's in the right place. I think he knows that one hundred percent. And and you know, and I've said before, could be a complete mug for me if he if if he left because of, of, of you know what he's got, what he's surrounded by. Uh, the facilities, everything about the club, the fans, the infrastructure of everything. Uh, and, he, and he has put, or is putting, you know, I think, a decent squad together. I mean, in our squad, there's probably more youth than in the other top squads. But, you know, if, if you get the right youth in, um, that, that you know, that's not a problem at all. As Alex Ferguson proved, you can win things with uh, <laughs> youth, <laughs> despite what Alan Hansen said. I mean, sticking on the topic of managers, because like you say, you know, obviously, you know, you, you go for the manager to a club and, you know, you want to do well, knowing probably at the back of your mind that if you are sacked, you're still going to get a good payoff anyway. Uh, but like you say, you know, with Brendan, you know, he, he hasn't got the pressure that the new manager of Newcastle is going to be under because, you know, he's going to have expectations that are absolutely off this planet, you know, and whoever takes over from Ollie, they're going to say, well, come on now, you know, I mean, the, the pressure on Ollie this season to perform is must be unbelievable because he's been given the players. He's probably one of the best squads, if not the best squad in the Premier League, and he's got to win something. And then you look at, bless him, Claudio Ranieri. <laughs> comes comes a calling again. Doesn't doesn't seem to last anywhere longer than two two seasons. Signs up to Watford. Um, he couldn't keep Fulham up. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Obviously, I, I love Claudio to bits. I honestly do. But he's not the manager for a relegated or a relegate. What Watford? I think think they're going to be a relegated. You know, team. 
Yeah, I think as a as a manager, you know, going into Watford, you, you, first of all, you just you have to assess the squad before you even dare set foot in the place. And you know, I watched the uh, highlights of the game on on Saturday, and some of the mistakes for for the goals were, you know, so basic that it, it, I mean, I could imagine walking off the pitch and getting a hairdryer for you know some of the the errors that some of the players made. They were gifting goals to you know a fantastic Liverpool team who don't need uh, goals gifting to them. So I mean. For Claudio in his position, he, he really, really quickly needs to find a really good core, you know, spine of the team and get them organised, which yeah. they didn't look and, and and maybe make some brave decisions. I don't know if they've got any youth or younger players coming through or any squad players, but it, it just looked awful. And I think four, maybe five players looked like they really shouldn't have been on that pitch on Saturday. And that, that for me, is absolutely uh, a massive thing for him. And, and that's something that, I'm sure he has assessed. He knows a lot more mm, than me, yes. but, but yeah. it, it just felt like, a, you know, a, a new mm. manager comes in, you you expect that up in effort, you know, the crowd, everything, and it, and it just fell flat on its face, and it's not often that you see that. Yeah. Scott says there, I think the only time Brendan will he decides to go would be in three to four years when the lights of Man City or Liverpool or possibly Newcastle are looking. This is, this is I do honestly think, maybe Man City now and Newcastle, but... I think as a manager, he he would look, and I, I alluded to this before. I think he'd look at it and go, "Okay, they're offering me this much, but when you get to a certain point, there's only so much money, and it just becomes, you know, <laughs> money that's going to be sat there." Um, and but you know, he would surely say, "Like, what am I expected to do at these clubs? You know, if I'm keeping Leicester in that top six, seven, eight position, season on season, they're going to be happy and winning the odd cup here and there." And getting regular European football, but if and I don't think Liverpool would have him back to be honest with you. But Man City, uh, or Chelsea, or, or Newcastle, the expectation on his shoulders, like we just said with with Ranieri, the expectation for him to keep them up. I don't think he'll be there till the end of the season. It, it's not everything, money, is it? It's certainly not, and it's a lot. I always think about players who, who leave a club to go to another club, and it's mm. you know you, you players who say I want to play for Real Madrid, and they go to Real Madrid, and it, and it all goes pear shaped. Mm. And you think, you know, do you, is it? I, I don't, and I, I would never envisage myself, you know, going to a club just because of its fantastic, you know, history that it, it's got. Mm. It's got to suit you as a player, and the the manager's got to suit you as a player. So. You know the money that they earn these days. They, they, you know they don't have to worry about anything financially after they finish no. playing football. So that shouldn't it shouldn't be a consideration. It's about your career path and and what you mm. want from him. And on on the point of Brentford, would he go? Uh, Brendan would he go to you know a Man City or a or a Chelsea or even a Newcastle now that they've got all these you know new funds? Mm. Like you say, I don't think Liverpool. I think that that's that's broken. But I, I, with all due respect to Brendan, I think there'll always be a bigger bigger manager available. You know, there's always going to be someone in European football who's been there and done it a little bit more than him and been a little bit more sex successful than him in, you know, in a different country and maybe done it in a couple of different countries. Uh, and I think he would always face that. And that's why, you know, I'll say it again and again and again. He's at the best place he could be. You know, yes. he's, he's a, I think this is the best club he'll manage in his career, uh, personally. Uh, you know, who knows what's mm. happened in 10 years' time? He's probably got a long managerial career ahead of him. But right now, uh, he's in the, the best place he could possibly be. And I think what we would hope for as Leicester fans is that, you know, we do realise that we, we haven't got the 
you know, the backing um, and we don't just, you know, spend the money that the other clubs have spent. Mm. And I think you're happy with, you know, top four, top six, maybe top seven. And then every year or so having a bit of a spike and winning a cup and maybe challenging for the league. And I think that's, you know, where we are at a club at, at the moment. We're not going to dominate the Premier League. I don't see in the future, you know, in no. the near future. We're not going to go in loads and loads of cups, but I think every now and then we can pop our heads up and say, hey, by the way, we're still here and go and nick something and go and win something yeah. and, and, you know, and, and push a push a, a league title, win a close one season. And I think if we do that, I think as fans, we should be happy. Yeah. And I think the fact, like we said, you know, he, he's been to Liverpool, so he's actually been to the big clubs. He's seen, I mean, you know, he, he, he was a slip away possibly from winning the title for Liverpool. So he knows what's expected at those clubs. Um, yes, all right, what he managed at Celtic, but it was Celtic, there's no Rangers, you know, there. But yeah, I, I, I like I say, I think it is a, it's a marriage made in heaven for, for both him and us. And I think I've got to say that a lot of managers, I think, would have used this speculation to have kept quiet and maybe tried to get a, a, a bigger contract out of the yeah. club. But by coming out and saying what he said, the owners are going to be there. Well, we don't need to give him a new contract at the moment. So, all power to Brendan, even more so for saying that. And talking of Brendan, keep your eye out for this today. If you remember me saying every Tuesday on the BBC Leicester City homepage, um, you will find me. I know you weren't expecting necessarily to find me, but I'm there. Um, and they allow me to do a blog every Tuesday, a couple of hundred words. I can't do a match review. And my blog this week, funnily enough, is about Brendan saying he's stopping. I may, I may just have mentioned the 4-2 victory as well. Uh, and that wasn't just because the lady I deal with at the BBC is a Man United fan, but, uh, but Shay. But funnily enough, talking about that... Um, Let's come on to this. Uh, Leicester City 4, Manchester United 2. And I pose the question there, were Man United that bad or were Leicester just too good for them? And it actually goes back to um, a question that we were asked earlier. And guys, don't forget to get your questions in the comments for, for Julian later and we'll ask a few, few of those out. Um, Anthony says here as well, Man United fans are saying Leicester was lucky and they should have won the game. I haven't seen that, to be honest with you, because most Man United fans that I've been in, I've been on a couple of Man United shows and I've had Man United fans. I had two on our review show last night and they were saying Leicester were good. But according to all the the, 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 the media, they're only interested in how bad Man United are more than how good Leicester were. Yeah, I mean, I do think it was a little bit of both, having having watched it and watched back and seen some of the commentary and feedback afterwards. But what what I saw on on Saturday was we, we pressed uh, a lot better than I think we have, you know, in the last few games. To be honest with you, obviously there was the change in formation, which we've talked about at great length in the past few weeks of where we were last season, forced into a formation and how well it worked for us, and you know, should we go back to it? Um, and and I think that was an important bit, and where Madison fits into that, and obviously Perez uh, following him in. Uh, but we really, 
uh, pressed aggressively, very high up the pitch. And it meant that we were creating chances high up the pitch. And I think however good a team are and however good players are individually, when they're losing the ball close to their own goal, you know, it makes them nervous and a bit unsure. And do they really want to play out from the back as much as they normally do? Because they know that, you know, they're taking a little bit with a risk with the way, you know, it, it was quite relentless in the way we went after them. Uh, and it didn't really stop for the 90 minutes. I mentioned Jamie Vardy, you know, early getting the free kick in injury time when he, you know, he, he, he made a good 30-yard dash and got his body in the way of Wan-Bissaka and, you know, obviously generated the foul, which was brilliant. But that that little mm. bit there showed the sort of team spirit of how, how we played and pressed throughout the 90 minutes. It was. And, you know, we didn't, you know, we were first to every first ball. We were first to every second ball. Yeah, they caught us out with their second goal, but... You know, not every team's going to be able to produce a pass like that <laughs> um, through to, to Rashford. And not every player is Rashford going to score. But it was the Leicester from last season. It, it was. It, it looked a lot more like it. And we, we've, we have stuttered so much this season. And again, I think we, we've, we've talked about it before, not just the formation, changes in personnel. Obviously, the changes in formation bring changes in personnel as well. There are certain players who can fit into one but can't fit into the other as, as much as they would like. You know, classic example, you know, Harvey Barnes, who's a wide player. He doesn't really fit yeah. in out. So we played on Saturday. Can he play in that number 10 role? But Madison's got that spot. And Perez did great when he come on in the same spot. Which I, and I think I said that last season when he was playing out on the right. He's actually, I think, a, a, a more of a number 10 than a, yeah, anything else. And, and, and he, you know, whether it was a one-off, I hope it's not because he's a very talented player. He's, he's been getting a lot of stick and his probably performances have not been where he personally wants them to be. But he, he came on and put a shift in and uh, got two assists late on in the game. So... Lot to do with the formation, I thought. Lot to do with the way we pressed. Importantly for me is, do we go on and do it again? And I, I'd be, so, I can't wait for the game tomorrow just to see mm. if there's, you know, I know it's only the second game after the after that great win, but start to mm -hmm. put some consistency in the way we defend, the way we attack, and the performances as a whole. We, we said, I said on the show earlier um, that uh, we we did a preview of, of uh, tomorrow's game, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd hate to be in Brendan's shoes now because, like you said, and we'll come on to him in a second, uh, no Luckman, no Barnes in the team, and we still won, and Perez did well. And uh, Does he stick with the 3-5-2, um, or does he go back to 4-4-2, or 4-2-1? Well, you know, <laughs> who'd be a manager? Yeah, but I mean, I think, look, we went to a back three against um, Millwall and one. I know it was Millwall, mm. and it was the Cup, but then it was a back three... On Saturday, I think the massive difference in in all that is Johnny Evans. Um, you know, I think he's just got. I think he makes the players around him uh, very comfortable and probably happier on the pitch than than when when than when he's not there. I still feel Sanchez still not at his best, but I think the calming influence of, of Evans next to him and interesting that Amatu, you know, was um, preferred to Vestergaard. And again, I think that. Looked, that all comes down to the influence that Johnny has on the pitch. So, um, yeah, really interesting. I mean, for me, I'd be amazed if he doesn't go with it tomorrow night, unless there's something tactically about Moscow that we need to, you know, change something. Because yeah. I would want to see us now stick with the same formation, go into the weekend with the same formation, the game after, the game after, the game after, and put some runs together and find out if that is the best way for us to play. Because it might not be. You know, it might be a little bit of a flash in the pan, but it didn't feel like it, and it, it certainly didn't look like it the way we dominated on Saturday. I mean, you know, we, we, if we go back to the Nigel Pearson's um, championship winning team, you could pick that team 
and that formation four or five weeks in advance because he played week one, week two, week three. If we was playing the same players and the same team every week, I know there probably wasn't the well, there's probably just as many games because you're in a bigger division. Then when we came up, he was chopping and changing in the Premier League that first season up and we struggled. Um, so, yes, those players that played have got the position. The, the, they've played, they've won. You know, it's their shirts to lose now. And, you know, we just talk Barnes and Lockman. I mean, you know, could you imagine, certainly with Barnes, just putting in that sort of performance without Barnes being on the pitch? No, I know, and it is, you know, it is a, it's quite a harsh um, sort of reality for some of the guys because, you know, they, they don't really fit into that. It's like I say, Perez and Madison can both play number 10. At mm. the moment, you're going to start Madison. If you were looking at that formation, would you play Barnes up front or look at him as a number 10? Well, you, you know, there's no way you're going to get with three of those. So does he play up front, yeah. which I don't quite see. I think Luckman could play up top. So, you know, there's something there for him, but then he's got... Um, you know, a lot of competition with obviously Iniacho, Vardy and, and, and Daka. So it, it's it's really difficult all around. But it, it's, as we said the other week, it was, um, you know, I feel a bit like Man United at the minute. They've got these 11 great players and they all want to fit them into something and it's not mm. working. So what you have to do as a manager is be really brave, have a really frank chat with a couple of your so-called, you know, what you'd call your regular first 11 and, and say, I'm trying this. And you just, you know, you know, you have to pull you out for the time being and, you know, if it works, let's see where it takes us. And, you know, I think looking on, on Saturday, it seemed Brendan sort of had that a bit in mind and the formation was good. The personnel was good. Uh, the substitutes were good. You know, substitutions he made were good and it. It just felt like a perfect day on the pitch. Did. Um, let's talk about, I mean, I'm just looking at Garth Crook's team of the week here for the BBC. And so Yunchu makes it in which is really good to see because, you know, he had a bad start to the season. Um, he's the only Leicester player in there, which surprised me. But, you know, let's have a look at the, from the Leicester side. Amati, who's had his critics, including myself in the past. Brilliant game. Brilliant game. Uh, Madison, he, he hasn't played well all season. Uh, turned it on against Man United. Um, and Perez, you know, <laughs> you know what my thoughts are on Perez. But hey, hands up, he had a brilliant game, two assists when he came on. Everything just clicked, and you know, players that have struggled seem to just come alive. They did, and and this is where I'll sort of flip it on its on its head and just say, you know, that Man United didn't particularly press with any intent. They didn't really mm. press together. You'd find one player closing the ball down, but not getting backed up by his mates. So he gets picked off and he's looking around at his teammates thinking, where are you? It was all the way they set up a bit disjointed. And, you know, it looks like something that they don't really seem to work on. And I think that's where Madison in particular found the joy in the fact that if he came off short, there was no one coming with him out the back line. There was no one in the midfield dropping in and picking him up. So he was getting it quite comfortably. And there's a couple of times mm -hmm. where, I mean, for me, Tielemans at the minute, one of the best centre mids in the league, uh, I think he'd yeah. get in any team. And it, him, again, he's, he's in that two in the slightly, you know, what you'd class as a maybe a little bit of a holding role. But he was he was breaking forward and just finding that gap. And it just seemed like between the, the back line and, and the midfield for Man United, there was no communication. There was no one pulling anyone around. And, you know, the, the urgency to pick, you know, opposition players up. And I think we found it quite easy to come through them, which is which is where you create your chances. Because what you want with Madison is you want him ahead of the midfield, looking at the back four, 
Vardy, Iniacho, whoever else it is making the runs, the wide players making the runs, and he can feed those balls in all day long. And that's, you know, what he did Saturday. And he, and he does that fantastically well. And this is where, you know, I'm hoping that it's not just that Man United were bad because this is how I'd like to see them playing every week. But it's that thing of if on another week someone is getting a bit close to him, that's where he gets snuffed out of games. Um, so, like I say, hopefully it continues. But I do think Man United uh, played a reasonable part in their own downfall. It did. And, and I'm just looking on the Sky homepage here for the Premier League. That The headline is Neville Gary Neville's damning view of Man United, babies and baggy. The next headline is uh, Gary Neville again, Man United lack identity, uh, Jamie Carragher, better manager needed. All about Man United. And, you know, nothing to say that Maybe we didn't let them play very well. Maybe it was, you know, we control. Well, we did control the game. And yes, obviously, if the other team don't, you know, play very well, it, it helps. But surely in there was some of the fact that we didn't let them. Well, I think I think you're right there, Chris. So, I mean, my so I, I would describe that as that when we were defending, uh, we were that we had a massive influence on how they played. Now, when we were attacking, I think they had a bit of an influence on how we played. So you can turn that on its head. But what, what we should get credit for is the way that we pressed them. We didn't let them play. We drew them into mistakes time and time again and created quite a few chances from it. And that mm. we should get all the praise in the world. I sort of do see it on the flip side that, you know, they helped us a little bit uh, in the sort of very lacklustre. Uh, There's no aggression whatsoever in, in the pressing. But we we indeed controlled the game without the ball, which is unusual. Yeah. And the good, you know, good, good stats is always. You know, I know, I know my, my colleague Brad doesn't like stats, but yeah, you know, we've won the last three. Again. We've only we've only won up until yesterday. I think we'd only won three games against Man United in any Premier League season at all. So that's three in thirty. We've now actually won four, obviously, but they've been the last three games we've beaten them. There was this, there was the game at the end of last season in the FA Cup, and the one before that we drew. And, of course, we stopped Man United's um, away league record of 29 unbeaten games. Yeah, I mean, I think at the minute, and for the last couple of years, I think I said, talked about this last season, they, they seemed to, they always conceded first, but then went on to win. And I always felt yeah. it was more the fact that they had some really good individuals who could pull something out of the bag that dragged them over the line rather than, you know, any tactical brilliance or or any way they played. Like Neville says, have they got an identity? We all knew that, you know, Alex Ferguson was a classic 4-4-2, so attacking. You know, yeah. the wingers went, you know, they were so high up the pitch. The way they played was really exciting football and, and great to watch. There was no holding back, certainly. Um, and, and they had the players to do that. And I think what Gary's alluding to is it, it he doesn't see how, you know, Ollie wants them to play. You know, mm. does he just put a good team of 11 on the pitch and say, you know, go and win the game, lads? I'm, I'm sure there's a bit more to it than that, but you yeah. can't actually see it when you watch them. You know, you watch the highlights, you watch them live. Um, you, you can't see a methodology of how they are intending to win a game, and you can with, with most clubs. And and I think that's where, you know, Gary's, um, you know, frustrations are on, on that. And you, you, you um, when Ollie came in, um, yeah, he'd taken Molder to the Norwegian title of first team, you know, time that they've ever done it, etc., etc. But he came in with very little managerial experience. He had, you know, set the world alight with Cardiff when he was in the Premier League before, and of course they went down. Um, 
but he came in and he did a job. You know, he was on a temporary contract, and the, you know he came in and he he did sort of get everybody back on. I think it it, it was Mourinho he took over from, and he he lost the dressing room. He got that dressing room back. He was given the job before his temporary contract expired, uh, and then they started that that's kind of ended and they started to lose. But you know, you asked the question: Do the players trust him? Yeah, I think so. So for me, you know, he, he, like you say, Mulder done okay. Cardiff, you know, not so good, difficult job, uh, but you know, didn't really look to change things while he was there or affect anything. And then he's coming into one of the biggest jobs, you know, in English football, European football. Mm. Uh, and I think what he did do is, like you said, so the, the, there was such a negative sort of atmosphere around the club with Mourinho. I mean, the, the thing with Luke Shaw. I mean, the way he plays is very pragmatic and you've got some wonderfully talented players there. And I think what Ollie did is sort of came in and released the shackles and would have spoke spoke to the players in a totally different way to Mourinho and probably lifted the mood and and that. And it we talk about, you know, when, when a new manager takes over and the results suddenly turn around and sometimes it is that feel-good factor. And I think, I think we got that. And then, you know, as, as, as time goes on, it's got to be more about the manager. And the problem he's got now for me is that he has got, world-class players who obviously Ronaldo has been at the top of the sport worldwide uh, since we can remember. And then you've got the players like Cavani, again, who, who are, you know, unbelievable players who've played at top, top level consistently, you know, for years. Mm. And I know certainly in Ronaldo, he'll be a player who will turn around and demand from the manager, which is not often you get that in football. You know, the, mm. the players, the players look to the manager, you know, he's the gaffer and he's, but, with a player like that, he's so iconic, and he's you know he's not very good at hiding his frustrations. We've seen already this season, and I'm sure he won't have any problem uh, inventing his frustrations. And I'm not saying to do it publicly, uh, but certainly behind closed doors. And again, that is another pressure that a manager doesn't want. I talk you talk about the media pressure, the pressure you know with Steve Bruce, new owners coming in, the media's on his back, the fans are on his back, not in a good league position. But then for your own players to capitulate mm. then that you know really becomes a massive problem as you know we talked about Mourinho at, at Man United so and it seems to me like that he's got one or two players will be looking at him and saying well what do we do now you know you're the manager you tell us what we do to make this situation better and it, and it was really really poor on Saturday and you know soundly beaten and there was no luck about it from our point of view it was just mm. absolutely you know we've given away the, the goal the second goal that Rashford scores is bad defending the back three weren't together um and, and it was a poor one to concede just from one direct ball and, and other than that there wasn't much of a spark you know from man united so we thoroughly deserved the win you know no mm. doubts about that whatsoever do you think ollie wanted ronaldo i mean you know he'd, he'd pretty much got a good team if they hadn't got him, he would have almost certainly probably ended up at man city was it a case that they couldn't allow that to happen and that's why they got him. I think, if I'm honest, we'll, we'll never know unless no, <laughs> unless, no. unless Ronaldo brings the book out and he's very honest yeah. with it. But it. It is a bit of a conundrum, and you mm. know, would he have wanted? I think, I think in his head, he would have wanted him, and you know, further down the line, that that sort of thought might might change. Like, say, if things don't mm. improve, but I think you know the the again another feel good factor of Ronaldo coming back to the club where. You know, for me, he made his name, and I, I certainly think that Man United educated him and made him the player that that he became. Because 
I think he was so frustrating in his first season there. And it, they very literally seemed to get hold of him and, and put him on the start of the journey. I mean, he's an incredible athlete and obviously his, his discipline and his self-motivation are, are second to none. But I really think they put him on the right path in those early days. And, um, you know, like he said, he's he's gone and done what he's done. He's come back. It's such a great story. I probably think he did want him, but, you know, not knowing what that brings if if there's no success with bringing him in because mm. you think it's a massive plus. But then if things aren't going right, uh, you know, the other week he, he he was on the bench and, you know, I think did they get beat or did they got beat or they drew, they got beat, I think. And all of a sudden it's the first question, why is he on the bench? Sir Alex Ferguson makes comments about it, play your strongest team. You know, mm. all these things that he wouldn't have expected all of a sudden popping up because if they're winning every game, no one would give a monkeys whether he started or not. No. But it's no. it's as soon as, you know, the negativity sort of comes into it and the results don't come as mm. you expect them to do, then people are really looking to find the reasons of why it's not happening. And more often than not, that points to the manager. Being the, the old git that I am, um, I rem- like I said, and we, I, I touched on this earlier, Pre-Alex Ferguson, I can remember when Liverpool were winning everything and Man United would go out and buy the best players available uh, but never won, won the odd FA Cup. But, you know, they never got to the success that, that Liverpool was trying to do. Um, but, was it? you know, is it almost a case, and I believe it was then, that they bought players because of who they were, not what they could bring to the club? And, you know, do our oh, Man United, they've got an amazing team of individuals. You know, you can't deny that when you look, you know, the names you've mentioned some before. But it's not a team that gels. And you can't just buy a player because, oh, it's Ronaldo or, or Cavani or, or Sancho. It's, well, OK, you want me to go and buy this player, but will he fit into my plans as a manager? This is, this is how I want to play. And that player doesn't fit into that so I'm just buying him for, you know because he's a name do you think there's a bit of that with Man United because they're certainly like I say they're not a, t- a team as such at the moment are they no there's a there's a few puzzling things for myself I mean the, the biggest one which you know is massive for me is Van der Beek they, they broke the next to sign him you know they paid a, a very very sizable fee for him and, and he was uh, a very very informed player that Ajax can play defensive mid attacking mid very versatile um, and I, I've barely seen him apart from, you know, the odd cup game here and there. And that that surprises me in the people that are playing in his position, which I, I think he's better than. I wonder where his head's at right now. I know apparently they had talks in the summer and that, you know, Ollie convinced him to stay. I don't, I don't know what he told him to make him stay. <laughs> I, I really, I mean, that's something that Ollie <laughs> must really excel at. Uh, because, uh, you know, for me personally, I'd have been saying I need to go and play football. He's he's just had a year off his career. Now, mm. as we talk about all the time, the money compensates for that. Uh, but, you know, there's got to be more to it. And that's the biggest one for me. And then, you know, Sancho comes in, um, you know, he's on the bench for a couple of games when he brings him in. And it's like, you know, for me, in, in the old days, he brought a star player in. He, he was on the team sheet. And, you know, however his mm. place he took, it was... You know, it was tough. You know, that that was the yeah. nature of the beast, whereas now they seem to want to introduce them gently, you know, feed them in. Well, hmm. 
you know, sub that. Get get your best players on that pitch. And that's why, you know, you should be talking to Ronaldo. Can you play 90 minutes on Saturday? Can you play 90 minutes on the Tuesday afterwards? Because if you can, I'm playing you. You know, do yeah. you feel you need a break? Because you know your body better than I do. And if not, for me, he's one of the best players in the world. He should be playing week in, week out. And that's the same with Van der Beek and the same with Sancho. Like you say, the other one for me is Greenwood, who for me is a central striker. But, you know, they farm him out either side because they've got so-called bigger and better players inside. For me, I'd be saying to him, you know, learn from Cavani, learn from Ronaldo. You're not going to learn from two better. And that is yeah. something that you need to be aiming for this season. And on those games where there are a couple of goals up, they can bring him on up there and give the other two, you know, a bit of a rest and rotate it like that. And I, and I feel that he needs to start rotating a few positions. And the better managers do that without, you know, the disruption in the changing room. But it, it, it looks like he can't. Talking about going up to players and saying, are you ready to play? The rumours are that that's what he did with Maguire. Uh, and, you know, you could see Maguire, yes, no Man United fans, if you're watching, you can't have your 80 million back, even if you kept the receipt. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a one-off sale. But, oh, you know, they've been saying this a lot. It was his first game back from a long-term injury. Um <sighs> He, he he was off form. He, he was at fault for a couple of the goals. Um, you know, he the, certainly for the, for the first goal when he had the ball taken off him. You know, he stood there waiting for the ball to come to him. So, I mean, you know, it's good that he wants to play. It's good that he wanted to be on the pitch. But again, Ollie should have had the Canunas to to say, "No, I'm not picking you. I know you're the captain. I know you're probably our best defender, but you're not." 100% fit for this game. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things on that, Chris, for me. I think one, that I think they're struggling that position for one. I mean, mm. you know, no no, no one else who's, you know, Baye, uh, Lindeloft, you know, not one of them for me has, like, stepped up and I've thought, oh, yeah, you know, he's going to be here a few years and he's going to be mm. playing week in, week out. And I think that's what he sees in Harry and that's why he probably would have rushed him back. But... It's difficult when you're a player when you've when you've been out injured to come back into a game when I don't know what games he could have played behind the scenes to get him up to speed, and and I've done it myself where you you feel fit, you know you mm. play a reserve team game and you coast through it, but that's a reserve team game and you get in the first team and literally after 15, 20 minutes you're thinking oh my god you know what have I what I put myself through today and whether that was the case for Ari on Saturday you know for the goal. He sort of hesitated and that, you know, is he thinking he's not quick enough to get there? It was yeah. just really bad decision-making, but then it cost him. And again, that elite on his mind. He's back at his old club. There's obviously furor when he left, you know, he went under a cloud and we're always delighted if he doesn't play well against us. And, and you know, and, yeah. he, and he, sets us, he sets us off, um, you know, on, on, you know on, the, on the road back after after we've conceded. So, you know, and then an afternoon he probably wouldn't have found enjoyable at all, especially when the result played out like it did. But I think in in Ariane Ollie's defence, I would say that it would have been desperate for him to play with not many other options, you know, in that position for such a big game. Yeah. Good evening to Melina. How the Hi, devil are you? Thanks for joining us. Um, hope you've got some clothes on that fit you now. And I'm not being rude there. And I think it might be that I'm old because she, she did have a profile picture up earlier and she had a lovely, lovely woolen jumper on, but it looked a little like three or four sizes too big for her. She made this huge jumper and this head popping out the top. So um, I hope you uh, I hope you got some clothes on that fit you. That said, I have to be honest with you, Debbie, we need to say this for a few weeks. If you have a look, there's a picture of Julian on the internet 
Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry, it's not that bad. Don't worry. Um, you see this shirt that I'm wearing in honour of Julian here, that he wore the blue version of this. And there is a picture, and I think you, you whether it's at Wembley possibly, you, you look like the shirt's two or three sizes too big for you there. <laughs> Was it that time? I think it's the same one you're wearing now, Chris. <laughs> no, that wouldn't fit me. <laughs> I need I need a bigger one than that now. I tell you, you know. No, well, I think the, the game's changed because in those baggy shirts were the thing, and you know, know. Like now, and even if my yeah. son sees some pictures, I've got that picture up downstairs actually in my office, like, and it's yeah. uh, it's walking out. And I think I think to say you can see the tension in my face is uh, is an understatement. <laughs> but the, yeah. the baggy shirts and shorts were all the thing, and. When we went up into the Premier League and it was, they were even baggier, and you know, you look mm. now and everyone's got these. I mean, to be fair, I never had the figure, so I'm glad they were baggy in those days. I, <laughs> yes. I dodged a bullet there. I know. So, so I think it, I think it's Tottenham that go for the the really tight clinging tops. But do you remember the shorts? I mean, when you see some of these like games from like you know ITV mm. retro, they're showing you know the big match uh, revisited. Some mm. of the shorts that people are wearing, I tell you what, I don't know how they could run with wearing those without chapping the legs. I'll tell you, but yes, they were they were, they were baggy. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, last question of this before we go on to sort of any questions anybody's got. Remember, get your questions in now if you've got any. Um, Johnny Evans, we said what a great difference he makes. Um, he lasted 88 minutes, came off with a bit of cramp at the end, which was understandable. Well, you know, he played 88 minutes on his first game back. Three games this week. You've got Man United Saturday. You've got Moscow Wednesday. You've got Brentford on Sunday. I don't think Johnny Evans is necessarily going to play all three. Uh, not, you know, so A, is back from injury and B, you know, is a little bit older. You can guess what's going to come here, can't you? So do you rest him for the game against Spartak Moscow? Or do you play him and then rest him against Brentford? Uh, personally, I, I rest him tomorrow when I play him against Brentford. I think maybe the two games would come quite close together for him. Yeah. You know, in you know, as part of his rehabilitation and, and getting back to full fitness. Um, mm. You know, we're in a difficult position in that Europa League now, and you know, I don't want to sound negative, but it's going to be a tough ask just to get out of the group. Um, yeah. And, and and then it becomes about targets and what you know what the the manager's looking for you know in the league and the league mm. position and do we build on what we did on Saturday? Brentford's going to be a really tough game on uh, on you know at the weekend and you know make no mistake about that. And I do think I'd rather have him the longer rest and do the re the rehab in between and make sure he's all right. He'll be on the bike or what have you with the physio this week and and make sure he's at full strength for that rather than risking him, you mm. know. Quite close. I'm not saying the close apart for a younger player, but where he is in his career, I think yeah. the longer rest would do him a lot better. And and again, it's it's the manager. If the manager thinks we can qualify from the group and go and win, you know, the Europa, and it's a serious thing. And you you know, obviously you've got the prize of the Champions League. Then you know he has to play tomorrow. But you know, for me, I think I would go the other way and and, and stick with the league. Do you go for Vestergaard then? I mean, he's taken some stick. Recently, and we're very good as Leicester fans at giving stick out before players had a chance. You know, we all remember Gordon Bennett. I'm sorry, I mean Ryan Bennett when he came in. You know, I personally don't think he particularly did, you know, anything too wrong. But we didn't take to him. Um, and Vestergaard's had a, a he's, he's had a poor couple of games, but then, to be honest with you, recently who hasn't? And I think he's he's big enough to step step up to this game though. 
Yeah, I do. And I mean, I think, you know, in the games that he's had, you know, it's not always been in a back three. And like I say, I hope we stick to that formation tomorrow. If you just stuck him in the uh, middle of uh, Sayunchu and, and Amati, it might make the world a difference to him. Because I know he's, he's had some tough games playing in the back four, but he's also yeah. been playing in a team that's struggling. And that's a massive thing, you know, for anyone on the pitch, but particularly a defender, if you're left a bit exposed at times. And it really, you know, really can affect the way you play. So for me, you know, I, I would I would want to keep the formation exactly the same. If we felt it was going to be a tougher game, you know, would you drop a number 10 and put an extra player in the middle of the park? Uh, mm. But I felt like Telemans and Samari were superb at the weekend. Um, and we should stick with it. And then it's whether, you know, do you do you start Perez and, and bring Madison out? Because, you know, it's a like for like, very, very strong. Do you give Dakar a run? There's lots of, you know, opportunities, I feel, that, you know, we could really, you know, get a really fresh team out tomorrow night and still be, like, super competitive. You know, I know we need to win the game, but I think there's there's obviously management of the season as well. So, it'll be interesting to see what he does, but I'm I'm, I'm hoping, like, we, we stick with this formation just for the near future and just see if it can give us the roads that it did last season and what it seemingly could, you know, give us this season as well. Yeah. Looks like we might end up being, being Southampton's B team soon because we've been <laughs> we've been linked with a 27 year old. Oh, here we go, Ella Nusi uh, from Southampton, us and Arsenal. So I say, who knows? But I'm going to ask you this question, and I think it's a genuine question. But as you know, you you have, of course, had your moments. You were sent to spread in the women's own magazine <laughs> or August uh, 1990 something I think it was you were you were the center spread there them staples must have hurt where they were <laughs> that's what <I> <laughs> Terry says here uh, not naming any individual but what is your opinion on hard up prem players having to take other jobs like modeling to make ends meet I presume somebody has been been modeling recently in the uh, in the papers have they I've not seen that. I mean, like, you know, I, I suppose there are, you know, Premier League footballers are a bit like pop stars. They'll have a load of hangers on and people around mm -hmm. them. And, you know, I know I know in our day we did a better, a very bit, a little bit of very, very, very low level calendar modelling, which was the Leicester City calendar. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. hang on, uh, hang on. Yeah. This, this, this is all news to me. This yeah, is... Well, um... I think I was on the 13th month of the year, so I'm not sure if I made the final. I was going to have to give you not, your, so. your own screen here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, you know, if, if it's not affecting them, if it's not affecting, you know, obviously the training and stuff like that, I think managers are quite in control of the players, a lot more than they were, than they were you know, in my day. Uh, they're a lot more in control of uh, what they're doing, what they're eating, what they're drinking and all that kind of thing. So yeah. I think everything's planned and, and, and it's not uh, it's not such a big problem. I mean, do you think, just taking on from that that point and in all seriousness, you know, we always say like all oh, these youngsters, they're getting too much money too soon. They don't know how to handle it. Uh, I don't think it's so bad that there may be these days with, with the drinking and the gambling because I think, you know, the clubs have got people there that, you know, that mm. can help with anybody goes to them with these sort of problems. But do you think the heads are turned away from football? I mean, we spoke the other week about players that aren't getting in the, the, the team regularly. There's no reserve team or anything like that to occupy them. And once they finish training, they have got all that spare time. And I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, players would be off down the pub having a fag and having a game of snooker. These yeah. days, it, it, it's down to the modelling agency, like you say, you know, posing for hair pictures and bringing out your own deodorant. Do you think there's a bit a bit of that where their heads are getting turned a little bit? 
I think it, that it's down to the individual and, and, and where they are. I mean, if they're lucky enough to have that ability and get paid that money, but it, it, if mentally it's, you know, it's not the main focus in life, and that can happen. You know, you've, you've yeah. players who are so with so much ability can stumble through into a career, but it, if it doesn't mean everything to them, you know, you've got other players who have to work a lot harder to get to the same level. But it's that mentality that, that carries them through. You know, you look at, and yeah. I'm not. I'm not dissing him anyway because I, I do think he's a fantastic player, Jordan Henderson. Um, you know, model professional. You know, he's not a Ronaldo. He doesn't do 20 step overs, but I, I think he's a great player in a, in a mix of a great team and he's done well for England as well. So, you know, there are players like that who I think are a bit, you know, quite focused. And then, you know, you get the others who, who don't seem to be and the money then does become a problem because they can afford not maybe to walk away or they can afford to go and do something that they might not be doing or that other people don't get the opportunity to do. So, I think, these days, though, with the clubs, they do have a lot of staff that deal with that kind of thing. And I think, mm. you know, I know they have a lot of staff that deal with social media, uh, see what the players are doing on social media uh, and all that kind of thing. And, you know, the, the game itself is just a completely different animal to what it was yeah. uh, with all these distractions. In, and you just hope that as young pros, they can get their head down and, and, and forge a career. Thank you so much, as always, Julian. I'm going to go off and try and find the calendar for that year when you were in it. <laughs> <laughs> I am thinking full Monty here. I don't know how. Uh, I think I was on the cutting room floor. I think the editor was a bit harsh, but I can't remember. To be fair. <laughs> it was a cold month, was it? <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did December. That was what it was. <laughs> we'll find that. We'll dig that out for next week. I'm sure, in some form or another, Julian. <laughs> I've, I've got that thought in my mind. I'm going to go to bed with a thought now of you, beautiful <laughs> Monty. I'm not sure if that's. I don't think that's going to be a good thing, to be honest with you. But mate, times, times are great here, Chris. I'll, I'll see you next week. <laughs> Take care, Julian. As always, thank you so so much. Take no care. Is. And I, don't don't you, get bye your bye. wife out the skip. Yeah. <laughs> Take bye. care. All the best, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Oh God, I tell you what. I'm going to go try and find that calendar. Mm. Leave it with me. You know me. You know me. Uh, thanks to Julian, as always. Uh, great to have his... Uh, I love... I live my favourite show of the week. Always expect to do the shows. Talking with an ex-professional. Uh, Julian gives up his time, and it's really... You know, we're really grateful for him to do that. But it does just put another perspective Um uh, and uh, oh, <laughs> Maisie's back. You see, you talk about full Monty on a calendar, and Maisie appears. I'm not saying anything, but you know, Maisie, if I can get a copy, I'll send it to you. And it wasn't me, honestly, it was Julian. I'd, I I wouldn't need a picture on one month. I would need a picture on uh, on January, February, and March, and that'd just be for my stomach. Before you think I'm uh, being rude, <laughs> uh, Melina says she still wants the Premier League trophy. Do you mean that that thing at the back there? That that that. Um, I believe, as, as I did say earlier, I think uh, Arsenal's uh, version of it comes with all the cobwebs included. Um, <laughs> 
but, uh, uh, great show. Thank you very much, Aaron. Oh, brilliant. Melina, thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> you're doing so much better than Leicester on the pitch. Ask Man United about that. Ask Man United. Melina, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I've got to go and try and sort this out now with YouTube because <laughs> at the moment I can't get my money. Um, but hey, we've got this coming up tomorrow, so um, you've not got rid of me just yet. This is what's coming up. It is the European post-match show. Well, I've just written all over myself. That was clever, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> well, be, it will be about 6.15. We've got 3.30 UK time, mate. Guys, 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, I think some people may just come back from lunch with a bit of food poisoning. Sorry, boss. Oh, I feel I've got to go home. I re really have. <laughs> so 3.30 tomorrow, we'll be live at 6.15-ish um, to uh, to talk about the game. And let's hope we're talking about another performance uh, like we have just seen against Man United. Melina, I'm glad you're better and you're getting better from, you, um, from your illness and your hospital. Great to have you back. And thank you so much for, for the donation there. And Terry, um, thanks, Julian. He's gone. He's gone, mate. He went before. Keep up, keep up. But guys, thanks so much. That was my sloppy second show. Uh, sorry, I can only say that now because uh, Julian's gone. Um, twice in a night. Who knew I could do that? Um I better go before I say something I shouldn't, should I? I'll see you tomorrow night, guys. Thanks very much for joining in. Thanks, Melina, for the donation. Thanks, Terry, for the question. Thanks, uh, Maisie, for popping in. And, uh, David, everybody else, thanks very much. See you tomorrow night after the game. Good night. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Be sure to watch Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms for the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club.
Listen on your favourite podcast platform or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.